Hi everyone, Dave here. Thanks for coming along to another episode of Legends of the Spire. Great to have you with us. This is the podcast that speaks to the former players and managers of Chesterfield Football Club about their careers in football and beyond. Now on the podcast this week, I managed to speak to James Montgomery. James joined Chesterfield just last season at the tail end of the season, battling it out with Grant Smith for the number one goalkeeper's jersey, and played a key role in that tail end of the season, with wins against teams like Dagenham and Redbridge and Halifax getting us into the playoffs. In those playoffs against Notts County, he suffered a really unfortunate injury that had a key impact on that result. On another day, it would have been a completely different story, but that's just football. And it was really good speaking to him uh, about joining the club, about the characters in the dressing room like Gavin Gunning, uh, about the great Danny Webb, who obviously everyone has lovely words to say about him. And also the thing that all the fans want to know about, what was James Rowe really like? Um, So it was good to speak to him. Uh, he's on now on the lookout for another club. Uh, I'm amazed he's not fixed up with one yet. So any visiting scouts or managers to this podcast should definitely be checking James out. His talent being wasted, not playing. So I hope he finds something again soon. Uh, as always, we are at Spire Legends on Twitter and Instagram, Legends of the Spire on Facebook. Uh, so please do get in touch. Uh, but here we are with the latest episode with one of last season's squad. It's James Montgomery. So yeah, you're from Sunderland. Sunderland, lad, yeah. <laughs> and you've kind of done a bit of the northeast, haven't you? So you've uh, born in Sunderland, but you're a youth player at Middlesbrough. You've played yeah. for Gateshead, so you've done quite a few of the clubs in the northeast. Yeah, I've done a few. Um, I think the first club I actually ever went on trial that was new. No, sorry, it's not a lie. I played for Hartlepool as a kid. Uh, first club I went on trial as a goalkeeper was Newcastle. Um, but I just started playing in goal when I went in trial. So I was 16, and I went on trial, and I was like. I was man, I was useless. Like didn't have any technique whatsoever. So I was a bit off the pace. But to be honest, they were good. They used to let us go in and train and things like that. Uh, and then when I was playing for the county, Middlesbrough ended up coming in and giving me a chance and ended up doing my scholarship there. Yeah. Um I loved it there. Really, really good club, really good people. Um the academy and things like that. But it was it wasn't meant to be. And it was heartbreaking at the time. But I think I've, I needed that setback then to sort of leaders in good stead for the rest of my career yeah but have you always been a goalkeeper then was that always your uh, um 16 i started playing in goal like well 15 i've been so it was under 16s started playing in goal um then within the year i was at middlesbrough got the scholarship and then stuck with it from there but i played outfield uh for hartlepool as a kid uh was at middlesbrough as a kid um Sun and boys, like it was, I was a decent outfielder. To be fair, that was all right. I don't know whether I'd have made it or not, but it was a uh, time was I was losing time, and I thought, right, I need to do something different here. And I played in goal, and I'd done all right at it for the school. And I thought, right, I'm going to give this a go for the last year, see if I can make a career in football. And yeah. I played it. Did, did you ever have a certain position then outfield? Uh, yeah, I started out as a striker, then a right winger, then a right back. Centre half and then in goal. So I literally just went backwards and backwards and backwards. Can't get any further back than goal. I was just getting bigger and bigger and slower and slower. So I thought, I can't run about like these little lads. So uh, yeah, I was getting goal. It's a lot easier. <laughs> well, we've had Tony Lamer on before. who's obviously from your neck of the woods. He's a big Chesterfield legend. And yeah, yeah, he, he obviously became became a battering ram forward for us. So you never, 
you never fancied being the battery ram forward or anything. I don't think I could have been the battering ram. No, I, I don't know if I'd have that in us. Um, I'd love to give it a try. And I, I'd like to think I'd be able to do it, but realistically, I don't know what I'd be like uh, chucking my weight about up top. <laughs> and obviously, what, I suppose whenever you sign anywhere or do any interview, yeah. everyone always brings up the family connection. Yeah, yeah. That's so your, uh, what, your granddad's cousin? Yeah, that I think that only recently got corrected um, in about the last two seasons. Because <laughs> um, I, 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 I just used to go everywhere and everyone would put it in the programme, like, oh, see if it was an away game. Oh, yeah, this kid is, it's his grand, his granddad was a son of legend. And as much as it's lovely to be associated with him, because he is, like, idolised up here. Obviously, we all worship him. Like, everyone from Sunderland loves him. Um it just it wouldn't be right to claim that it's hmm. it wouldn't be right on my granddad who to be fair I never got me because he passed away when my dad was nine um it wouldn't be right to claim I was Jimmy's grandkid because it wouldn't be right to use his name for fame and it's not right on his grandchildren so I just said like look now we need to address this it's actually my granddad's cousin um but it's a great person to be associated with and I say to, I actually I'm actually named after my dad but to share a name with him as well, it, yeah. it's uh, it's not a bad thing, especially up here. So it was never like with your starting outfield, but then going in goal. Did, did you ever think it was like in the blood or anything like that? Well, that was the thing. The, um, thing. So there's there's a lot of kids you see sometimes who make careers or whatever, or get to a certain level or are in academies, and they're probably not up to the level, but the dad might have a connection at a club, so then they get tarnished. To be fair, there's sometimes the kid could be a world beater and they still say, oh, he's only there because of his dad or whatever like that. And my dad always said, like, there's no way you're going to be a goalkeeper. No way on earth. Definitely not. Because if you are any good... I was decent as a kid. Like, I used to love diving about and all that. Um, but if ever I um, ever I wanted to play in goal or get go to a team, he just said, the only thing you're going to get labelled as is the person that's there because he is related to Jimmy Montgomery. And he was like, you're not being that person. He was like, be your own person. So I was like, all right, fair enough. And then he's like, I don't want you being like, not bullied, but like people saying stuff about you for that, for them reasons. So I was like, all right, fair enough. And then when I was 16, he was like, you can do it now if you want. It was like, people are not probably pick on you now and say that you're big enough to handle yourself. And he just went, yeah, go for it. So then done it. And it probably is the, the best decision I've ever made because it's gave us uh, a career in the game doing something I love and I've had some great experiences. Like you say, it can probably be a help and a hindrance, can't it, having that link? Because in, in some ways, <laughs> they'll just compare you. <laughs> yeah, I, I realistically, I'm never, ever going to live up to uh, what he's done in the game. I think it'll be very, very tough for me to do that, especially at this stage of my career. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's 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 a nice, it's, yeah, it's one of them. It's nice to be associated with him, but I'm never going to be him and probably never going to have his legendary status somewhere, so... So you mentioned your youth player at Middlesbrough. So when was that? That was 2011 or 2013, 17 to 19. So I'd done the year in goal at under-16s, then six months as a what would have been a first-year scholar. I was at college and got picked up playing for the county and then finished the season signing for Middlesbrough, signing the two-year scholar for the second year and what would have been a third year at the time instead of a first-year pro. Um, and then I didn't actually get the pro. I don't think I signed a proper pro contract until I was 24, 24. That's like a football league pro contract. 
So I'd been full time in non-league and professional, but the proper league professional contract was twenty-four. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you started at uh, was it Guysley? You've kind of first. We were on Guysley, so I went there. Uh, I got released from Middlesbrough. Then one of the lads was like, oh, "I've got an agent. Do you want his number and all that?" And at the time, I was thinking, "How do I stay in the game?" Yeah, sport him and all that. And he said, I can get you guys, Lee. Um, you can go, you can be on the bench. We'll give you this much a week. And I was like, at the time, I was like, getting more than I was getting on my scholarship. Like, yeah, of course. Um, but I was never going to play. I was only 19. Wasn't physically ready. Um, Middlesbrough allowed us to still go in and train there. So Dave Parnaby was fantastic. He just said, like, look, you've been a really good person. We'll help you out and help you keep fit if you want. So I went in every day, even though I was released, travelling an hour in every day and just keep myself ticking over without any money coming in. Parents helped us out and all that. And then the chance to came up to go to the Night Academy within four weeks of Geisley. So I think I'd, I'd done a few games, like Solly Hummel was working and things like that. I'd done all them games on the bench. But then Night Academy came in, it was with Eric Steele, uh, who is goalkeeping legend, especially as a goalkeeping coach. Um, so I had the chance to go on to the night academy, train with Eric and be full-time in an environment where you train at St George's Park every day um, you live with lads from all over the world and it was like the best unsigned lads sort of thing so yeah, that went and gave that a crack and honestly, some of the experiences and things I've done there, it was out of this world, like ridiculous so we went and played Barcelona Roma Inter Milan, PSG uh, Portland Timbers, like went and played all their their youth teams and 23s or 19s, whatever they were. But we had a good team, so that them lads had come out thinking, "Oh yeah, we're going to roll these over." We just steamrolled a lot of them. It was honestly, it was crazy. We had such a good team, and a lot of the lads are playing like Championship, League One, um, Scottish Prem at the minute. So a lot of the lads are doing all right. Well, it's a great way to do it, isn't it? That whole. Like football academy thing because it's class when you when you're young and you go through a youth system or whatever, all the cards don't necessarily fall into place, do they? When you, you know, you end up getting released through no fault of your own. You might lack a growth spurt or just a form or something like that. And you, it's a shame that sometimes careers just drop off. Well, that was why the 23s were actually brought in, so give lads that time to develop physically. So the lads who weren't ready at 19, which there's loads, no one's ready. Well. Some are, but not many are ready at 19 to go into the men's game. It's tough. People don't realise how tough it is. Mm. It's physical. You've got to be robust. It's like, it's really hard training every day at that level and getting bashed about on a Saturday. Mm. It's tough. Um, so, yeah, it, it gave us that time to develop. Um, uh, Matt Murray came in, so I learned things off Staley, but then Matt came in and he's like one, probably one of my best friends in football now, like someone who... I see he's like a big brother and I speak to him about absolutely everything. But he just taught me so much. But I also learned like different cultures and things like that. So I lived with lads from France, Morocco, Portugal, Spain, Brazil, Korea. And we were just like big family. Like we spent five day, well, five and a half days of that week. We were all together on a campus. And it was just brilliant. Like we just learned how other people lived, what their mannerisms were, like. Yeah, some like the Italians are nice and chilled. French were absolutely crazy, like so loud. Um, and it was just like it's just different stuff. Do you know what I mean? Like you learn about different people, and you try to learn as much about their culture as you could. So yeah. again, it was just a brilliant experience while doing something I loved. No money, but I loved it. Yeah, 
I suppose it's good, just good for your personal life as much as it is for your professional life, isn't it? Just getting those kind of experiences. Yeah, definitely. Um, so if you can have conversations with people anywhere in the world, like from anywhere in the world, help out the all sport English. Um, <laughs> but uh, let's say just being able to speak to different people and find out little things about their life and how they lived. And it's just a really good experience. Yeah. Yeah. And I noticed as well, you were part of uh, Jamie Vardy's V9 Academy, weren't you? At, yeah, at that's, that's a weird one. Cause I think that's one of I think if you type in on Google my name or whatever, and that's one of the things that comes up that I was there, but I actually didn't get a go on that, you know? Mm-hmm. So there was the, the program was in the summer of 2017, I think. Um, and what happened was I got scouted for the V9 Academy when I was at Telford and playing for England C. This was in November at Bradford Park Avenue. Done all the video stuff and all that. Was one of the first three people with Luke Coulson, who's at Bromley, and Danny Newton, who is now at Solihull, I believe. Um, so we're with them too. Um, done all the coverage, met Jamie Vardy, tour of Leicester Stadium, King Power. Unbelievable, great day, Sky Sports and all that. Signed for Gateshead in the January. First time I'd had a proper, like, full-time contract where I got paid throughout the summer and on a decent wage and they said look this is the situation if you go on that uh, that academy and you get injured you're not getting paid for the rest of your time that you're out and I was just like what do I do here so I tried to speak to V9 and see if they'd cover us with insurance um, but they couldn't get the insurance to cover wages for me if I got injured so I just said like, look, I'm, I'd love to have done it it would have been a great opportunity but I've worked I think it was 22 I worked six years to get a proper yeah, all time wage. I'm like, I can't risk it. It's it's one of them things, and I was good, but I just had to say be cautious and look after myself. Couldn't risk getting injured and losing any money. Yeah, looking back then, was it a was it a, a quite a big fight then to get that pro contract? Because you've obviously worked really hard and and long to get it, haven't you? Yeah, yeah. Well, I went so I went from Middlesbrough scholarship, didn't get the pro. Went to Guysley for about four weeks, which was only part-time. Then went to Knight Academy for a year and a half. Telford for a year and a half, part-time. Four hours away from home, part-time, which is crazy. But I had to do that just to stay in the game and give myself a chance because there wasn't many teams up here then. There was like mm. Spennymoon and Darlington were a few leagues below. Blythe were a few leagues below. Um, Gateshead were obviously a league above, but I didn't. I hadn't proved anything to go straight into Gateshead. So I had to grind it out, prove myself at Telford. And then when Gateshead came in, I was just like, I remember going into training, I was thinking, I need this deal done. I need it done 100%. And the manager was just, I just went and spoke to the manager. I just said, look, like they were brilliant, to be fair. Uh, Rob Smith and Larry Chambers. I just said, look, please, like, can I go? The travelling's too much and it's part-time. This is full-time. It's illegal, but please, can I go? And I just went, yeah, no problem. It's fine. And they were really nice and still speak to them now. They're brilliant people. I was going to say, the, the travel for, for Telford, yeah, it sounds it sounds quite exhausting, to be honest. Three hours 50 it was, yeah, three <laughs> hours 50. Um, so, yeah, when you're travelling all that way and then training on a Thursday night, or even if you were down and training on a Tuesday and a Thursday night, like all the time that you've got by yourself, that's that, I find that the hardest thing about being away as a footballer mm. is when you're away from home and you're working, your days are done by two o'clock. Everyone else back home's work until five, sixes, whatever. 
So you can't even have a conversation with anyone. You just like, right, I'll get back in the house. I'll stare at these four walls, try and put a series on or whatever. But that's the hardest thing about being away from home is the free time that you actually get. Everyone thinks it's perfect. It can be such a downfall. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that, that's it was really tough and to ground it out for as long as I could. And then once the opportunity came, I was like, yeah, I've got to go. Yeah, and you mentioned England C. So was that when you were at Telford then? Yeah, I actually got the call up when I was at Telford. I remember the first call, uh, time I got called up, I went into a, like, played in Estonia. And I went in and all the lads were like Lincoln, Forest Green, Macclesfield. They all knew each other. I just went in and I was the league below 19, 20. They're all a little bit older. Ethan Pinnock was there. Um, i trying to think who else was there. It was Jamal Law. He was there. So they, they all had like a bit about them. All yeah. that character all knew each other. And it was me from the league below and I was just... I sound stupid, but I was a bit like, where well, they're looking at me like as if to say, who's he? Like, and it was only non-league lads, but they were all like, but the first day I just thought, none of these have got no clue about me whatsoever. Um, but then as you train and all that, and you show you've got a little bit about you, they sort of take that little bit more respect. Um, I was going to say, they'll all be used to each other kind of playing against each other week in, week out, aren't they? It's... <laughs> well, actually, when we were away, we were away on the... Saturday night we went away, we came back Thursday. Then Lincoln were playing Forest Green on the Saturday. I think it was a 3-2 game and they were like, oh yeah, we're going to win the league, we're going to win the league. <laughs> and them two teams got promoted that season. Uh, I don't think any of them's looked back since. So you got like two caps, did you, for England C, was it? Yeah, I think I did. I think I got one, actually got one with Grant Smith in the same game against Wales. <laughs> and then I played against a Punjab FC, so that one wasn't England eleven. I didn't play in Estonia, um, which was quite a long way to go to sit on the bench. <laughs> um, so yeah, that one was quite. I was quite annoyed at that one, but it's one of the things. Brandon played and he done well. Brandon Hall, who's at uh, Hereford now, um, and he had previous experience, so I couldn't complain too much. Did you get to do a bit of sightseeing in Estonia? Nah, it was too too cold. Isn't it? <laughs> so it was like literally, it was the coldest place I've ever been. You weren't allowed to walk off camp, uh, well, out of the hotel because it was too icy. Like, it was ridiculous. We were training in, like, do you know the big bench jackets, like the Arsenal Wenger ones? We were training in them. It was absolutely freezing. I remember doing a penalty shootout and I had this jacket zipped all the way up, hat on, snoozed a lot, and I was still absolutely freezing. Never, I've never been so cold in all my life, ever. I was going to say, actually, like, as, a, as a keeper, you, uh, you don't really get to... If, if it's really, really absolutely freezing, you don't really get to run around to warm up, do you? You kind of just... No, nah, you do like the usual... You, you can't run too much because you've got to be in position for things as well because if you're out of position, then you, you can get done. Like, off, say someone like Danny Raw, someone's got a zing on him, you think, oh, I've got to be careful here. Like, I don't want to get caught <laughs> out of me, like. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's, you've got to try and keep yourself warm as best you can. But over there, honestly, I've never felt cold like it. It was absolutely freezing. <laughs> well it's an experience isn't it it's character building that's the thing yeah character building definitely <laughs> now I'm there I'm ready for it when I'm at Gateshead and I'm sitting on the bench coaching the... <laughs> there's nothing compared to Estonia so yeah so if a call ever comes in from an Estonian league club <laughs> yeah I think, I think I'll pass <laughs> I think I'll give that one a miss unless they offer like under, under armour leggings and things like that to, in with a yeah. deal then now not for me maybe not I wanted to ask about 
there's obviously there's quite a, a uh, quite an infamous picture of you maybe of of um, your injury against was it Man- it was against Mansfield wasn't it when you were playing yeah, for Forest Green. Um... The lad was Gethin Jones. Um, I've been to some of the few Sunderland matches this year, and uh, one of them he was there, he was playing against Sunderland. And I was with my granddad, I was like, You know, that is, and I was like, Who's my teeth? <laughs> he was like, Oh, is this? I was like, oh. uh, Yeah, he got his, um, it wasn't his fault, like, it was just one of them things where I've came out for the ball, got there before him, and he's went to kick the ball. But he he's actually pulled out of the challenge. Is, you would never think that the way it's caught us, but he's actually like jolted back and pulled out. And it's just, yeah, it was brutal, man. Brutal. So bad. I still, that's me claim to fame now, unfortunately. That's all I'm known as. The lad who had the face injury. <laughs> so, say, what, what, how, what did you actually suffer then? With so, the- I had the scar here. Here, I've got the scars there. So, I was just cut open there, there, cut all the way down there, underneath. It was all open. Uh, two front teeth there and there, and the two front teeth there and there. So yeah, four teeth, a ridiculous amount of stitches, and a lot of blood. Um, but, but I haven't scarred too bad. At what point does the like adrenaline of it happening disappear, and you start to feel the pain of something like that, or is it pretty about an hour and a half? You know, a funny story about that. I actually, it was a Tuesday night, and it, have you been for a screen? No, I haven't actually. You're right. When it, when you're driving for a screen and you like say to people, "Oh, the ground's just down here," you're like, "There is no way there's a ground down here, like no way on earth." It's it's literally on a hill, like just in the middle of nowhere on a hill. And we, they rang in the ambulance on the game, and they were like, "Right, okay, yeah, we'll get one as soon as you can." I'd been to hospital. My mate drove us to Oxford um, to see the nurse and all that. There went there, and then went back to the physios. He stayed at his, went back the next morning. Then he got the phone call while we were on the way to the hospital again, saying, oh, yeah, the ambulance has just arrived, 8 o'clock the next morning. So that, you know what I mean? That was absolutely ridiculous. I was just thinking, if I waited there, I would have been in so much pain. But um, even when I was trying to sleep and things like that, it was horrible. The blood was, like, literally just gushing. You couldn't stop it from pouring. Um, And then the anaesthetic and everything, it was... It wasn't nice. It was on Sky Sports News the next day. My mum hadn't seen what had happened. So I rang my mum and I was like, look. She'd seen the picture of me, like, on the famous picture. Mm. But then when she seen us actually speaking and talking and all that on Sky Sports News the next day, she was just like, wow, what's happened to me, son, here? Um, And then it was when I came home and I went for food with the lads. I couldn't eat. And they were making jokes. And, like, all they see was, like, I couldn't smile. And if I said something funny, I was like, please stop, please stop, please stop. Because this was just like ripping open. Honestly, I've never been in so much pain. It's horrible. How does it affect your confidence then when you actually are getting back? More in? right now. In the beginning, I was a bit like, the same thing sort of happened against Lincoln, my first game back. So lads came through one-on-one and I was like, as much as I chucked me, I literally said to the lads in my first training session back, I was like, just go in for things. I need to try and get my mentality switched on to, to like being able to just like dive head first and I've done it but then as soon as it came to a game I was like oh here we go and then it's just like but I had to just go through the ball like go for it sort of thing um, but at the minute I don't get the the flashbacks but I did at the time 
it was more just the self-confidence outside of outside of football like no one could see me taking football instead of gum shielding um, but when I was walking about in the street and all that or if I'm getting food at a restaurant and I'm tearing out my dentures or things like that it was just it was horrible yeah horrible. but you can see why you'd want to because like even when Peter Check or people like that suffered their injuries you know they yeah well I was told the dentist she just said you've got to wear one from now on you can't because I think if, if one of the, I think it's hard that if one of these gets knocked out to get replaced, mm. or if something happens to how it's fixed into the skull or whatever, I, I think it's it's tough to get another one put back in. I just said, yeah, no worries, I'll make sure I wear one. Um, but yeah, not nice. Yeah, have to appreciate our goalkeepers for what you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, it's very easy as a fan. We've had we've had some goalkeepers before many years ago that didn't perform too well and it's very easy as a fan to say oh just go in and get the ball but you are flinging yourself into people's studs and oh, elbows and all sorts aren't you I don't, I don't think people realise how much goes into the position itself like how much detail goes into absolutely everything that you do hmm. like maybe you are too high your hands can be like centimetre too low and there's like there's loads of things where you, you could put a goal on now in the Premier League and I'd be able to talk you through loads of little different scenarios that could have been done better than me to save. And then you could show me a save and I could tell you about 10, 15 different things that a goalkeeper's done well to make that save. So mm-hmm. people don't realise all that stuff that actually goes into goalkeeping. I bet you love it when all the uh, pundits are strikers and they're going, oh, he shouldn't be getting caught out there. Or... <laughs> or sometimes you just think, come on, you haven't got a clue. Like, And they try and talk about different things and saying why they're set and all that. And, do you know who's actually really good at it? Gary Neville. Mm. He actually has got a little bit of knowledge on when he says things. Um, but even still, I don't think unless you've played the position, you can fully understand everything. Yeah. That goes into something. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a lot tougher than what it looks. <laughs> so let's come on to Chesterfield. So, yeah. yeah, so you signed for... How did it all come about then, signing for Chesterfield? So, um, on our Chesterfield at the time, we're going into the last bit, the last push, where it was, like, right, could be mate or break. And I think we needed more of an... Maybe he's a bit more of an established two keepers to fight it out. Obviously, Dylan was there, but he was young, and I think he'd only played one or two games, so he hadn't really been chucked into that deep end. Um and I wasn't, my contract was up at Gateshead in the summer and I was on furlough. So it was just like, well, you can get him on a free. I'd already been on loan to Southend, um, which had been the league above and done well. Uh, so I think for, at the time, for the money that I was on, I don't think it was a no-brainer for the club because I was on not much at all. Hmm. Like, not much, not much at all. Um, so yeah, I just went and done that and it was uh, yeah ended up trained well the first game against Halifax I'd went from not doing much to being training all the time and I was struggling a bit with my groin and uh, just said like look I'll, I'll get through the game sort of thing you can't miss an opportunity to play yeah. so when the opportunity came up to play I was like right, I'll get through it I'll be alright and I was a bit off the pace and I didn't really cover myself I wasn't horrendous, but I didn't cover myself in glory. Um, and then came out of the team, Grant went in, done well, kept a clean sheet. So I've right, just got to get my head down now, just train hard. Trained hard and then eventually got in again for Walken, I think it was. Yeah, it was, yeah, Walken, yeah. Yeah, and in that game, I, 
I know we won four one, but I remember coming off thinking I've made some big saves at important times, like uh, a couple a couple of saves where it was like one one or it was two one, and I made saves to keep us ahead or whatever or keep us level. Um, but because of the scoreline, I don't think that went. I think it went a little bit unnoticed, mm. um, and then from then I, I just grew with confidence and. There's still a few. See, I think when you haven't played in so long, I think it takes a few games to get fully to where you think you are or like the level you think you can play at. So it did take a little bit longer than um, expected to hit the, the ground running. But I'd say once I was playing in the games, I think the Wheelstone one was when I felt like right fully me. Um, I was, didn't didn't it wasn't highlighted in the other games that I wasn't. 100% on it but I think the Wheelstone game was alright I've arrived I'm ready to go into this um, and confidence was through the roof Gray plays the ball across the field onto that far side of the field and now it's uh, on that far side Lewis getting down the left Lewis getting the cross in as well great chance here saved by Montgomery it was Low Everton I think with the final shot there Lewis getting down that left hand side getting in totally unmarked getting the ball across and uh, Low Everton with the final shot. Well turned over then and Lewis. He's pulled it back again. Chance for Mendy. Mendy with a strike and a good save there by Montgomery. And then put over the crossbar. Excellent counter-attacking play there from Wilson. The corner delivery wasn't good enough from Jack McCourt. It came back out. His touch was too heavy. Allowed Mendy to burst forward. Linked with Denon Lewis, ball played back to Mendy, right-footed shot, great save James Montgomery again. That's two really, really important standout saves from James Montgomery. What's, what's it like coming into a squad that is like aiming for promotion and you get into the like the business end, I suppose I'd call it? Is it quite hard to kind of <laughs> just slot in like, hi, mid playing net? Yeah, it, it is, especially I remember some of the lads' faces the first game I played. Because obviously Grant had kept so many clean sheets and I remember the gaffer named the team and some of the lads were just like, I'm sitting right next to Grant. So all the lads are like looking at Grant like, what's going on here? And I'm thinking, hey lads, like, it's not my fault, you know what I mean? Like it's killing me off a little bit before I've even played. Um, but so it was a little bit weird and then I say I came out the team again I was just like, okay, I'll take it. This is what happens, you've just got to work hard and get back in the team. Um, and then trained well and eventually did get in. Um, I think it was after, what game was it after? It was after Boreham Wood, I think. Do we play Boreham Wood and then I get, came in against Woking? Woking, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he yeah. came back in against Woking. Woking and then Kings Lynn, wasn't it? Kings Lynn, yeah. yeah. So, so I had them games and I felt fine. Just felt like... I, I always feel like it's easy when you're just playing so many games towards the end of the season. The hard stuff's like the December's, January's, February's. Performing in March and April and May is easy. Yeah, yeah. No, you need the end, and you think right, the rewards could be massive. This if I have a good season, or if 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 I kick on here, the rewards could be massive. Could be a new deal. Could be level higher. It's just I find it easy. I always find it easy playing at the end of a season. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I didn't find it too hard. It was just, but there's a good group of lads there. Really good people. Um, a few characters. Um. I knew a few of the lads from time at Forest Green and Martin Smith was a lad I've knew since we've been about 10, 11. Um, so yeah, it was quite easy to fit in. But just took, took a while to probably show what I could have done. 
It's funny, really, because <clears throat> I suppose the same uh, the same reaction that some of the other players had when you were when you were named on the team sheet was probably echoed amongst the fans in the stadium, probably okay. uh, because everyone was like, "Hey, what? what? <laughs> Hang on!" But you actually proved yourself that you were. Yeah, I, I say I don't. I don't know how to prove myself in the first game. I hold my hands up to that. But I hadn't played in about seven or eight weeks, so I was like, "Mark, okay, I'm probably." A little bit rusty, ring rust, you know what I mean? Which is standard, everyone gets it. Um, but it wasn't it wasn't something that was majorly highlighted. It was just something where I needed to get the games under my belt to get up to the speed that I was at. Um, but then I think by the end, I sort of proved a little bit that Grant, like this Grant is a great keeper and he's flying again at Yorval, but I didn't like, I'm not saying I proved to warrant me place because what he done was unbelievable his clean sheet record was class but I think maybe he's made a little bit of justice in the manager's decision because I think I made key saves at big times and probably helped us get over the line in the playoffs um, just really unfortunate in the playoffs that happened yeah but who are the um, who are the big personalities in that squad then I think you know one of them is definitely Gav mm-hmm. uh, absolute <laughs> lunatic like he just he'll never grow up him. He's like Peter Pan, he's mad. He's like just ticking time on. But he's a great lad. Um obviously Curtis Weston's got the respect of everyone. Tom Denton character. Uh, it's just that's it's just a really, really good group. No one who was like bad egg really. Um but yeah, as I say that Gav's definitely the one who's the, the craziest. But uh, is he the guy? Is he the guy cutting everyone, cutting holes in everyone's socks then, and stuff like that? No, it's just like silly stuff, like comments that he comes out with. You just like, what has he just said? Like, and he's so loud, he's got no filter. But he's uh, he's funny with it, and uh, no, he's, he's a good lad. Well, it's funny really because I've spoken to loads of people on the podcast uh, in the last year that where they always talk about you need that person that if you get a defeat or you get a disappointing result, there's someone that can say something silly to like lighten the mood a bit and yeah and shake you out of it a bit. I'm guessing he's he can kind of play that role, can't he? Sometimes. Yeah, 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 100%. He's great in the dressing room. Um, people don't realise how good he actually is with things because you can come in and just say something and just be like, wow, he does not care. Like He's just, he's ruthless. He's doesn't care about anyone like he just what he says it's just funny he's not bothered who he well not he's not he's not bothered who he might upset he'll just say something like you just think what has he just said and he'll just he'll have you in hysterics with it um but no, he's great for things like that he really is so so as we got to the uh like last few games there was like the key games weren't there so against uh dagenham which was the ho- last home match, yeah, yeah. and then uh, Halifax away, which was obviously where it was uh, it was sealed, like the big one. What yeah. do you remember of those two? Dagnum, I remember I should have given a penalty away. <laughs> Got away with one massively. Um, I just remember thinking, yeah, this is running through here, and it just took this weird spin off the turf, because it, it, the pitch of Chesterfield's like sandy, sandy and like a mix, isn't it? Mm. And it just spun, and it spun back in the lad's favour, and I was like, oh, no. He just kicked it past us, and I, I, it looked like I got something on the ball. Um, but I can't really remember if I did or not, but I thought he's going to give a pen. 
no, he didn't. And then I think we ended up scoring a pen with Roy. Mm. Um, but I just remember the atmosphere being class, like especially when you haven't played in front of fans in so long. Yeah. And I think the last time I played in front of that many was nearly two seasons before. Because when I was at Fylde, I think they only got like 1,300 max. Um, and I hadn't played in any games after. I think I only played 10 games when I was at five because I needed a hernia operation, which I had to wait on the NHS for, um, which took longer than expected and kept us off for so long. So I hadn't played in, in front of proper fans since the last game of the season in the 2019 season, which again, funnily enough, got us in the playoffs. But I got dropped for them playoffs. So I haven't had much luck in playoffs. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that, that was the first time I probably played in front of that many fans since that time. Um, and looking at it now and seeing the 8,000s and all that, just looking at that is unbelievable. Um, yeah, I mean, it was that game against Dagenham, it was, it was amazing because obviously, not been, we've been watching so many games on uh, laptops and TVs and stuff like that over that season to actually get back. And for it to actually mean something and actually get us somewhere. Yeah, I think especially when the club had been through so much in the previous seasons, because Chesterfield, I think Chesterfield as a club struggled to adapt to non-league um, for whatever reason that may have been, whether it was at the top, filled it down, I'm not sure. Um, but it was just a good buzz around the place, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, and that was a really, really good game to play. So Rowe versus Elliot Justum in the Dagenham and Reveridge goal. The referee making sure that all the players are outside the penalty area. It's Danny Rowe to strike it. Oh, yes! Danny Rowe gives Chesterfield the lead! And then Halifax one was, was good because they could have got in as well. Um, but yeah, we, we thankfully done enough to get into the playoffs, but it just wasn't meant to be. What's what was the um, what was the atmosphere like after that Halifax game? You know, how how long do you actually spend celebrating it? <laughs> well, we were putting in the dressing room because I think, like, obviously, it was a big turnaround, wasn't it, from what had happened at the start of the season to at the end. I mean, I know I only played a little part, but I feel like I'd done more than enough to warrant actually celebrating getting in there with the lads. Yeah. Um, and I say it was just a great buzz after thinking right come on then let's go we'll have it now and I think if, if I didn't get injured or my knee didn't well what had happened with me calf my knee in that game I think we beat Notts County mm. no, I yeah. let's go on to Notts County then so I mean there was an amazing Danny Rowe free kick yeah. <laughs> in that game yeah. did you ever did he you have to line up against them in training practice them in training Danny Rowe and Adi Youssef have got the most powerful shot I've ever been in front of, ever. And they, the worst thing is, like, they don't even think, oh, he's on our team. They just absolutely lash it at you when you're in shooting practice from the edge of the box. It, it got to the point where I was just like, right, I'm just turning on this. I'm not even going to risk throwing a hand at it or anything. I'm just letting it in. Good, mate, the pace was ridiculous. And then new balance balls, when they hit you, they are hard. Um, I was thinking on a match day, I would, but not not in here, not in shooting at the end of training. They just levelled it ruthless. Yeah. Oh, we've missed his missed his free kicks. Yeah. This season. Um 
and then and then yeah so the thing happened with the knee so yeah. like so it was a it was a goal kick was it when it happened it was out my hands so i kicked the ball out of my hands and i hyperextended my knee so that caused an issue in my soleus which is a calf muscle and popliteus which is the muscle that straightens and unlocks your knee so then that's why when i first done it you can see me like i don't know if it was on the kick or the step back where i've like lost my balance or something and it's ended up like hyper extending then because i kicked through fine it was on the step back that's when i've watched the video back i step back i don't know if i've got my foot caught in the ground or something and then it ended up like just pulling the the muscle and then I couldn't put any pressure through it. And whenever I tried to hold my knee straight, I was just like, wow, I'm a bit to you. Um, <laughs> I don't think I actually touched the ball, you know, after that. Genuinely don't think I touched the ball. And yeah. Apart from when it went in the back minute, I don't even think I touched it then. 57, in the 57th minute it happened. I didn't touch the ball for 33 minutes. It's going to say, because there, there was you lying on the pitch and you can kind of see it in your... On your face, you're thinking, oh, heck, we've not got a keeper on the bench here. And I mean, Notts County hadn't either. It's kind of just the... It's just the thing in non-league. Do you know what the worst thing was about that? Not many people know this. So I done all the ligaments in my finger the day before the game. So the manager pulls us and he says, are you all right to play? You're going to have to inject it. So I was like, my fingers were massive, black and blue. Honestly, they were huge. I was like, right, just inject it, numb it. I'll play, no bother. So I injected it before I'd done my warm-up, before I played, and at half-time. So the manager says to us, right, can you can you play? I was like, yeah. I was like, once I'm injected, I'll be fine. So I've done all them injections, played through my fingers fine, and my knees ended up. It was just like, just thinking, you know what, if I'd just said, cover, like, cover your back, just in case I'm feeling my finger, you might have put someone on. But... The way, I, when I was speaking to him, I knew that if I said I had a little bit of pain, I was getting dropped. Mm. And I knew that it wasn't enough to drop it. Like, I knew I could play with my fingers fine. Like, do you know what I mean? My hands weren't in pain. So, it was, uh, yeah. just It's a sudden death match. You can't turn down a chance to play, can you? No, no. Not I got dropped for the playoffs two years before. And I knew that if I got injected, I wouldn't feel a thing. And I was in the warm and everything, I felt fine. My hands felt great. I felt like, right. Everything in that game kicked everything clean as a whistle. I thought, right, I'm on it today. And then so, the worst happened and it just went downhill from that. Anyway, um, so, yeah, so that third goal then that went in for Notts County. I mean, you, I, I watched it back last night and if you'd not had that injury, you'd have just, you'd have just plucked it out of the air, wouldn't you? hundred <laughs> percent. I think I'd have been standing like further than where he actually kicked it to. I'd have been in a lot more advanced position, but I was thinking I just need to stay deep and try and see if I need to give myself time to move, then I can. And then I was just looking, thinking, the, the thing was, Will Evans took all my goal kicks, didn't he? That game, I don't know if you remember. And Will was absolutely knackered by the time we got to the 93rd minute. And he openly said that. He said, like, look, I'm, I'm gone. Um, which is my fault by having him do all my goal kicks. Uh so I think he, Ellis got away from him because he was just, I see, gone. And he just came pounding in and just headed it. And I thought, I can't move. I've just got to try and like, try and make myself big the best I can. Yeah. And he just held my arms. And then you, I think you just see his fall on the floor. And I'm just looking, thinking, 
what have I done to deserve this? Like, what, why? Um, and uh, let's say it was just a horrible afternoon. I suppose sometimes it's just not meant to be, I suppose. Nah, sometimes, yeah. It's, uh, it's a shame. you just got to dust yourself down and keep working hard. When I um, asked all the Chesterfield fans, I, I put out a tweet and just said, what do you want to ask? Um, when I said I was speaking to you. And the first thing that a lot of people were asking was about the actual injury and how long it took to get over it. Because obviously you've just seemed to disappear and then everyone's still like, oh, I wonder if his injury's all right. I wonder how he's doing with yeah. it. So how is it? Fully fit. I've been fully fit since oh, September. No, been been training every day since training every day. Trained with Aston Villa in the international break, went in with them. Um, been in with Derby, been in the gated every day. Fully fit, like strong and working hard just at the minute. That's uh, told you previously about Stevenage, didn't know I went and done the medical at Stevenage, but it was going to be another six weeks into the season before I was actually fit. Um, so they had to go in a different direction. There was another two clubs who were interested at that time. Um, and they had to go in a different direction. Then there was something that I'd agreed in that week I was training with Villa with the club. I agreed the deal and everything. It was all like ready to go down and sign. I was at my agents ready to drive down in Birmingham. Then he gets a phone call an hour later. Sorry, the CEO said, not allowed to sign him, not allowed to spend any more money on a keeper this season. And then there was another thing that came up where it was like a month to month, but I couldn't. So I didn't want to sign something on a month to month in November because I then couldn't red Chester for anyone in December. Yeah. So I was like, I'm not going to do that. I need two months minimum because I didn't want to have a month's pay then, mm. be without a month's pay. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, it's just been really tough. Um, at, at Chesterfield, I, I was under the impression I was going to be signing again uh, until the injury. So the Wednesday before, I had the conversation uh, with the manager at the time about tolls he wanted us to stay. Got the injury two days later. Sorry. And I'm just like, wow. Uh, and then he actually rang me again, actually, just saying, do you want to come in and train? Uh, in the, uh, what was it? I think it was September, October time. I just said, no, like, appreciate it. You know, respectful, but no, I don't want to. Too far up the road and... Mm. It was a bit like, a bit of a sour taste in my mouth. I've got nothing against the club, but I was just like, I don't really want to. It was hurtful, do you know what I mean? With yeah, well, it's, it's a weird one, because usually when when players you usually do get injuries like that, you feel like there's a duty on the club to get them back again. And it felt yeah. like in, in that case, maybe that duty... They said they would, um, to be fair at the club, they said, well... He took us to see a specialist. He said I didn't need an operation and that nature would heal it. Um, and that they said if I needed an operation, they would cover it. So that was their way of saying, look, we look after you that way. So they weren't terrible. They were, they were good, do you know what I mean? They did give us that little bit of duty of care. But then I was just thinking, it's going to cost me all this money to drive down every week. Mm-hmm. Um, when I was in accommodation at Chesterfield, I was staying with family in Mansfield. So I was thinking, I've saved you all this money on accommodation and all that, all the other lads are getting accommodation sorted for and things like that. And 
it's just like I don't know, it was just really frustrating. I was just like, yeah. like, do you know what I mean? Like, I'd, I'd love to. I wanted to stay. So when I spoke to the manager, I was like, yeah, I want to stay. I knew it was going to be a good project this year. And let's say they've signed, to be honest, they've signed a great keeper in Lawtree. Definitely one of the best outside the football league. Um, I'm sure he'll be proving that he's all this season. So I understand why they've, they went for Lawtree, but I still thought wanted to be part of the club. I was just really, really like, not disheartened, but I just felt a little bit disrespected when yeah. I was told, like, look, we want you. And then all of a sudden I'm out for a little bit. Out for six weeks. Now nah, we're gonna go somewhere else. Um, it's strange as well because in, I'd say looking all over the pitch, uh, certainly me as a fan, and I know loads of others are the same. We kind of felt the goalkeeping was the strong one of the strongest areas that we had. So I think if we'd have re-signed you and Grant Smith, I think everyone have been like, yeah, I've got two of the best keepers in the league there, no problem. Yeah, it's safe. I think. Me and Grant probably are in that bracket of, I said, it's a hard one because everyone's in non-league especially, everyone sees their keeper and they'll see them for a big snippet and then they might see another keeper for like one game a season. So I think every club, if they've got a decent keeper, which a lot of the clubs have in non-league, they think, right, ours is the best. Um, it's And it's, it's an interesting debate actually who probably is the best outside of non-league. Uh, outside of the league, sorry, and in non-league, but I do think in, I do think in Lawshi the club's got one of the best, um, and I, I say likewise with me and Grant. I think probably would have been in that same bracket as well, in yeah. a not big-headed way. I'm not saying that we are in the top, whatever, but I think would be in the percentage of the better goalkeepers in the league. Uh, and the other, so that was the first thing all the fans wanted to know about was how how you would be injured. And the other thing they all want to know is obviously we've had recent events of which there's certain bits of recent events that we can't touch upon uh, and we shouldn't touch upon. But yeah. kind of as a fan base now, we're kind of left scratching our heads a bit because we were like, hang on, this this guy seemed like, in James Rowe, seemed like a really top bloke. And all the interviews with him, he seemed to completely get it. And there was this whole community feel with the club. And then after everything that's happened, this kind of story's come out saying, oh, you know, one player got dropped because he sat in the wrong seat and another player got shouted at because he did something else or stuff like that. I'm just wondering what you're... <laughs> so everyone's kind of said to me that I've got to ask, you know, what is James Rowe like as a... just as a, as a gaffer? Is it, do you know what? He, play, he played us and all that. And I can take someone shouting us or whatever, like, do you know what I mean? But he is, he's a ticking time bomb. Like, he can go. I think you see it on the sideline, he can go. Um, but that doesn't separate him from any other manager in non-league, football league. Like, it's part of the job. Hmm. Um, I think, I know there's things that lads have came out and said, other people about uh, seeing the tweet, saying goes around comes around and things like that um so i'm not gonna sit here i'm not gonna sit here and say anything bad about him do you know what i mean he gave me a deal for so long played me from what he said he said he liked us the only thing i was disappointed with was the fact we had that conversation on the wednesday played on the saturday it was a different conversation on the tuesday that's the only thing that is like yeah that 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 annoyed me. But it's one of the things he had a job to do and 
when he told us, I just said, look, I understand you. You've got a job to do. Um, I'm one of them people where I'll just smile and laugh it off and just be like, okay, I'll prove you wrong. Um, well, let's say it just hasn't. I haven't had the chance yet. Um, so, yeah, I haven't, I haven't really got anything bad to say about him. I'm just, I was just disappointed that I didn't get the deal when I thought I would have. And yeah, one of them things. Well, thank you for that. That's <laughs> to ask on behalf yeah. of everyone. The other, the other yeah. thing that's been said and all the other scenarios and all that, that's, it's nothing to do with me. That's other people's business. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, uh, yeah. <laughs> it's just a really, it's just a really, uh, yeah. Bizarre situation. But to be honest, I think with looking at Paul Coop, I think the lads are, are going to work for a great man mm. first and foremost. And when you see like I say, still follow the club and everything and see the way he dressed all the fans on the first away trip. You just look and think, yeah, you know, you're a top person. And it's a great group of lads there. Great club, great fan base. So let's hope that he can lead on what James will started, but hopefully he can do it with Danny because Danny is a top, top person. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, is he, I mean, day to day, is he, is he, see what you get because he seems like he's just a really nice yeah, a cockney boy like <laughs> giving it large and all that and such a nice person like I used to look at him and think I bet you'd be so good to play for because he's just such a nice person like genuinely really really nice person and he would never like he would never put anyone down do you know what I mean he'd always be positive and he's always, he'd always be like just really really good person not a bad thing to say about him just a nice person yeah, it's great to see he's staying at the club because, uh, yeah, we all agree. Uh, all the fans love him too. Um, so finally, just tell us about tell us about your company then with the goalkeeper. Yeah, the gloves, yeah. So that's probably been, I set that up in the lockdown. That's probably been, it was for when I do retire playing. Uh, thankfully, it's helped us out a little bit at the minute and it's paying me mortgage bills. Um so all my life savings from 40 just going downhill. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, but it's uh, the glove stuff's kept the bills and everything and looked after all that stuff. So yeah, that's been uh, that's been a, a good good sort of blessing in disguise. But we've just brought something out that is uh, really close to me and really close to our family and our friends. Uh, we brought a glove out that all the donations go to mental health charity called If You Care Share. Um, so that's our latest thing, our latest glove. Um, it's available for pre-order now online. It's already sold out. I think we've raised over £350 already for the charity. Right. Um, so the plan is to just raise as much money as we can uh, and so hopefully give something back to some good people. Um, I'm going to try and grow the business for when I do eventually retire. Um, the plan is to get back playing as soon as possible, mm. get out of coaching because I know I've got more to give. Um, I'm enjoying the coaching but I've got more to give and then set the business up for when it's time to retire but yeah I, I really enjoy it uh, make nice goalkeeping gloves make good products and the most important thing for me is parents and goalkeepers are not paying ridiculous amounts of money because some pairs of goalie gloves are like 100 quid I was at exactly the same spec but we sell them for less than 35 so we're, we're trying to do something right for people trying to give them good quality products, good prices, and not uh, take people's eyeballs out. So, yeah, that's how, we, that's how we're trying to grow. 
Well, it's interesting. I, I spoke to Bob Wilson on the podcast. Um, that was an interesting one, yeah. Yeah, I mean, he's because he uh, he was a, a grew up in Chesterfield. He's a Chesterfield boy, and he, he was oh, watching, okay. he was watching uh, Gordon Banks in net for Chesterfield when he was a kid oh. in, the, in the stand. So it's obviously a great story for Chesterfield. Good company there, by the way. But yeah, and I mean, he he showed me his his goalkeeping gloves, but of which for a big part of his career he didn't wear a goalkeeping gloves it was just bare hands but he showed me his goalkeeping gloves when he eventually had some and they were like gardening gloves they were these yeah. like flimsy nylon things and I mean goalkeeping gloves now are nice. really a, a technological, technological thing aren't they They're... oh yeah definitely there's do you know what the hardest thing is getting the right latex for the right ball mm. so the new balance balls when they're brand new they've got like a, a plastic film on them so when they're wet they're a nightmare to catch, like an absolute nightmare. But once them balls are worn in and the, the glossiness off the outside sort of goes, you, the grip's unbelievable. And you've got to sort of sometimes wear your gloves in, but where there's other balls, like say a mitre, mm-hmm. you get a brand new pair of gloves out. It can be the, as glossy as it wants on the outside, but you'll catch absolutely anything clean as a whistle. So that's the other thing. You've got to like think about what ball you're using, what grip you're using, how worn in they are. There's like there's loads of things that goes into that people don't realise. So will potentially like a, a like a, a top four goalkeeper in the Premier League could they potentially have different gloves for different competitions? Yeah. Obviously, different Michael competitions. openly spoke about it recently. He said he's got like different grips for different tournaments and different competitions, and yeah, he takes a different one to win an international than what he would in the Premier League. Um, but I've used the Premier League balls when I went in with Aston Villa, and I was just thinking, wow. Why can't we not use these in like our leagues? Like, even if the clubs have got to pay a little bit more, what a difference it made! What a difference! Um, nice to catch, nice to kick. The new bounds, you get hit with one of them, you're just like, Oh, god, <laughs> that's what I'd imagine. Take like, see if it hits you in the solar plexus or whatever, it just takes, feels like you're taking a body shot. Great, right? Well, so we've come to the end. So, what's your so what are your kind of uh presiding memories of Chesterfield then did you have a favourite match amongst all of those against those that you played for us Wilson performance wise um, I think I made we obviously kept a clean sheet that game mm-hmm. made about four or five saves one which was a decent save but Dagenham for the fact of the fans and the atmosphere and things like that um, and it felt like we were part of something and we were on a good journey in that the way the club was that day, I was like, "Yeah, I'm, I'm glad I played for this club." Do you know what I mean? It was a, it was a, it was a pleasure really to to play for them. And I say I'm glad it's kicked on this year for the other lads, and I'm glad that Chesterfield might feel as though they're starting to get the club back, um, the supporters. So yeah, it was it was nice to play in front of the fans.